You know, this morning, I just want to, you know, when I think about uh, this time of the year, Thanksgiving, I really don't have so much per se, a Thanksgiving message. Is that all right with you? If, if it's not, I'm, I'm doing it anyway. But, uh, you know, when I think about this season, I, I have to go back and, you know, I really have to reflect on what this really season means to our country and that we take a day to give thanks for what God has given us. We know that years ago, John Smith and the explorers came. They were, they were Dutch reformers, and God really, they, wanted, they, they, didn't, they didn't like what was going on in their country, and they wanted religious freedom to be able to worship God in a way that, that was very freeing to them, and they, they fought persecution. There was many people that in other countries, like England, they were actually burned to the stake for having a Bible, and we have such a privilege to have a Bible today. You know, I think about people that, that, uh, that, that were persecuted and that, that came here. And even when they came, it wasn't easy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when the first Thanksgiving, we, we know, we see the Indians and the pilgrims come together. But let me tell you something. It, it didn't look like the movies have made it. It didn't look like we've drawn the pictures and stuff. These are people that literally didn't, almost didn't make it the first winter. The children died. And I imagine the questions and the things that people ask. Can you imagine a couple having a newborn? It's why did we come to this new land? And then yet we lost our baby and you came to bring us here to kill us? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever had conversations? And I'm sure it wasn't pleasant conversations sometimes. But yet God, they saw the providence and the hand of God over their lives. And so today we celebrate an event that took place in our country, you know, long time ago. And the incredible thing that we have this morning is we have the ability to be thankful. And how many of you know that, you know, when I think about Thanksgiving, I know that during the holidays I, have, I end up meeting relatives I hadn't seen all year. And some of us look forward to it and others pray, oh God, change them or change me. And, you know, I remember being a kid, you know, when you know, going to my, my great-grandmother's house in Lake Charles on Sell Street. And I remember going there and, and Salier Street. And what happened is I remember going there, and they had the table for the adults. And you remember? And you had the little table. And remember, your goal was, I want to be at the big table one day. Do you remember that? Okay. And, and, and it's like there's those different memories. So, you know, Pastor Bubba, what does your message have to do with anything that, about Thanksgiving this morning? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. But I'll just say this, is that I do want to create a heart of Thanksgiving for what Jesus has done in our lives. And that what we may be doing in your own personal life, even right now. And so this morning, I, if you would, if you would go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, and... I, uh, I'm not going to be reading from the, the New Living Translation this morning. I pulled out my old Bible, the one I love. I mean, it's just worn out. I mean, I've got pages falling out. I mean, I've, it's held by duct tape. And, I mean, you know, I mean, I have pages that come out, you know, and, and stuff. But I love this Bible because there's a lot. It's not, much, it's not really how much you mark your Bible up. It's whether or not God marks your life by his word. And many times I've realized that when I go to read the Bible and I go to read to find something, God, many times God uses the Bible to read me. And he reads you. And see, this morning in the Gospel of uh, Mark chapter 5, it's a, it's a pretty crazy story, but it's, it's a cool story. And the title of my message is How to Kill the Pigs. And you say, Pastor, what the heck are we? We having a boucherie? Well, yeah, we are. We can have a, a, a boucherie, a la grande boucherie in the spirit. Is that all right? I mean, y'all, okay, I want to know, is this a church or a funeral service? You see, this morning, I just believe, I believe so much in the life of God and that he wants to do something in our lives today. He wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal himself fresh and new. Some of you have come here, you walked in the doors, and you said, God, I need a word. I need a touch. I need to know if you're real, God. There's different people that have come, and I've been hurting all week, and I need just God to speak to me. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us this morning. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading in verse 1. And it said, they came to the other side this is chapter 5 of mark verse 1 and they came to the other side of the sea in the country of gazeris and so what happened is the other side how many you know god always always wants to bring you to the other side 
You know, sometimes we see our side, but sometimes God wants to take us to the other side. And it goes on in verse 2. And when he come out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he was dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with the chain. Because he had been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Verse 5. And constantly, day and night, among the tombs and in the mountains, he was crying out and gashing himself with stones. I like to say he was the first body piercer, but anyway. Here he is. He's crying out. He's running from the tombs. You imagine Jesus and disciples. It's a five-mile journey of a walk, but it's closer to go by water. And they go across this, this, this place, and they come. And right as they meet, they kind of put out at the graveyard. That's where they met. That's where they stopped the boat. And all of a sudden, out of the tomb comes this naked man. Or I like to call him naked boy. And he's running. And you know that one-third of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons. One-third was teaching, and one-third was preaching. And see, I believe this. Uh, how many of you know that the Bible says the just shall live by faith? How many believe that? It's by faith. And see, this morning, very, I believe that it's very, very little effectiveness in discipleship or growing in our Lord comes without you being delivered from some. How many of you know that there was a lot of things before you met the Lord that you needed to be delivered from? And what I mean by delivered from, set free. That's what Jesus said. And when he looked at it, he, many times he would look at the woman, looked at the woman of the world. You need the water of life. Come, come, come to me. You know? And so I believe that God is calling, and I believe that deliverance is releasing a person from the influence or of a particular specific influence. It could be a demonic influence. It could be an influence by other people. There are, there are people that need inner healing. And what do you mean by that? Resolving the effects of a trauma or past events in a person's life. Then there's generational curses. It's reversing the effects of persons brought by uh, uh, effects of a person brought on by your sins of previous generations. You know, that's like where you go. Your papa was like that, and you like that. How many of you talking about? You ever heard your mom and daddy argue? You're just like your daddy. Or you're just like your mama. Or those things, you know, you see generational things where, you know, that one guy literally dealt with alcoholism, and the next generation deals with alcoholism. The next generation deals with alcoholism. I have things in my family that I can see that are generational things that are passed down. What does this have to do with anything that you're talking about this morning, Pastor Bubba? Believe me, if you hold on, we're going to go through the travel channel, but we're going to land somewhere. Is that all right? I looked at Miss Joyce this morning. I said, Miss Joyce, we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to Judea. We're going to Samaria and to the uttermost parts. And so this morning, I believe this is that for the church to be the church, we need to be doing what Jesus was doing. How many believe that? And so here it is. It's a crisis mode. And how many ever been in a crisis mode? I have a man right now. His name's Mr. Dunyon. He's in a crisis mode. He was a guide at White Lake for many, many years. I sat with him and did chemotherapy. And they told him he builds, he makes special calls. It costs, costs about $300 for his, his duck calls and, and, and stuff. And so I was like, and, and he had to stop making them because he's in a crisis mode. And he's at a moment in his life right now, he has to, he not, might not even make it till Christmas because of his cancer. I had a man come and speak to me and pray for me. And it's a guy that I told you about, and I don't want to go rehash that, but it's a guy that when I was coming and getting, hearing about good news from me, he was finding out that he had, ter- he had terminal cancer in his liver, and he visited me the second day after my operation, and he died 15 days later. That's a crisis mode. How many of you ever been in a crisis? Okay, am I in the right church? How many of you ever been in a crisis? Come on. And how many of you know that sometimes when you're crisis, the greatest prayer you can ever pray is, help! And see, what happens right here, there's a crisis mode, and what doesn't kill you will build you. Amen? You see, let's go on and read. Cause, and seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? 
I implore you by God, do not torment me. And he goes on to say this. He says, he says, for he had been saying to come, uh, saying to him, come out of this, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. In other words, here he is. There was no such, I, I believe it, he was demonized. And, and it's, it's many times that people walk through oppression. And it's not so much possession, but oppression that, that what happens. And the man could, he could exercise his will just like you and I can. We can exercise a will and say, God, I don't want this anymore. If the just shall live by faith. How many believe that salvation is by faith? It's, Abraham said it wasn't by his works, but it was by faith that Abraham believed. Amen. The Bible, Jesus said, come to me, all that you are heavy burden. And he says, he said, come. And he says, and I will, what did he say? And I'll give you rest. See, faith is coming to a point where we know that we're walking through things. We're facing things. We have things in our lives that need to change. We don't know how to do it, but we need God's help. And what happens in this story, here it is. This guy comes and he goes, Jesus, I need help. And I, I believe this. Here he is. And he, and he says, what's your name? And he says, my name is Legion. I'm from Jennings, Louisiana. For there are many of us here. Come on. Arthur, you went to Lake Arthur? Come on. I'm from Lake Arthur. You know what I mean? But what ha- you know what a legion is? A legion is a Roman division of about 6,000 troops. So the dude was tormented by a lot of stuff. How many of you know that? You- how many? Let's just make it clear. How many of you... Hear voices. I said, Pastor, what kind of service is this today? Okay, let me ask you. How many times when you're doing things, you're going through life, that sometimes you hear your own voice talk to you? Come on. Then there's sometimes you hear voices of influence or past things that speak to you, why you can't do something or why you got to do it. Come on. Or you hear other voices that people have tried to influence you. And then you hear voices from your past. You hear your grandma talk to you that's dead. Come on. I, come on. Then we hear the voice of God sometimes. Hello. Then we hear the voice of the enemy sometimes. Come on. Hello. How many of you ever heard that voice before? Okay, two people. The rest of you, we know you got something. No, just... We all hear voices. You go, Pastor, man, what, what is going on here? We all hear things. It's what we do with the voices that we hear. You see, how do we live? You know, how do we give the devil turf in our life? Let me just tell you how you allow the enemy to have an influence. It's you open up doors and access to him that lead you to things that you never thought you would end up doing anyway. How many of you know that the, the word sin is, just, if you just take the word sin, you know, you change it, and it means selfishness. It's a me first at Me, me, me. How many of you met people in your family, like, that are coming over for Thanksgiving, and they think about me? Hello, how many of you got them coming? You need to start praying right now. It's me, me, me. It's not about we. It's not about us. It's about me. I was talking to someone yesterday, last night, and they were talking about, man, this generation, man, they want to they start out at $22 an hour. I remember when I had to start at such and such amount, and they want $22, and they don't want to do the work that we used to do, and blah, blah, blah. They just want it now, 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 now. How many are you talking about? Me, me, me. It's really quiet. Either I'm preaching okay, it's bad. Or you're just really listening. I, thank you. I appreciate that. But let me just tell you something. See, I believe this is that many of us allowed access many times from things that we've experienced in our lives. I remember, literally, I'm, this is the truth, and I'm not going to lie to you. I was picking up a guy that was coming through our discipleship school years ago. I was picking up at the airport. And I remember we're picking him up at the airport, and he looks at me, and we're, we're, I have these other guys that are just coming to our school. 
And I remember this guy in the back seat. I picked him up, and he was actually from New York. Where's Andrew? Oh, yeah, he's in the back. In your neck of the woods, Jersey Shore. And all of a sudden, this guy, he's in the back seat of my little Nissan. And this is what he says. It just comes out of him. And it's in this weird voice. He goes, I'm going to kill you. And something inside of me, I was like, I just looked at him and I said, I just looked at him and I said, come out in Jesus' name. And he just went like that. And the, it, it left him. Whatever was tormenting him. My wife, when she found it, she goes, send him back to New York. <laughs> I've had conversations with people that have had things that happened to them in dreams. Or in moments in their life where they, they were... I mean, just literally dark moments. How many are talking about? Just things that happen. And you're not weird. You're not crazy. But there was just things. And see, it goes on to say in verse 10, are you with me? And he began to treat him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, there was a big herd of swine feeding there on the mountains. And the demons entreated him saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. I believe this sin always loses its power when it's exposed. You know what the hardest thing to do is to admit that you're wrong or that you did something or you made a bad decision. How many are you talking about? And see, I believe this for all of us when we come to the point where we realize, how many have ever been selfish? Golly, all right. How many have ever lied? How many have never lied? If you don't raise your hand, you lied. Have you ever, let me ask, have you ever just been fashed at people at times? That means being mean, being mad at them. Come on, how many are you talking about? How many of you have ever just been at that point where you just go, if someone else does something to me or says something, I'm going off. How many of your children, you've had them and you're dealing with them and you don't like what they're going through. And in fact, you don't even like them anymore. And you feel like this. You go, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Have you ever felt that way? Come on, some of you getting deliverance right now. (laughs) We've all had moments in our lives where we face difficulty, and we face things that we don't like. But I believe this. When you bring it to the light and you expose it, God does something there. I look at my life, you know, salvation is an event. It's where God comes and he changes my life. I come and I go, Lord, I believe. I believe that you died for me. How many of you believe Jesus died for you? That he lived a sinless life. That, he, that not only did he die, but they put him in a tomb and he rose three days later. For me, for you. Hello, how many are you talking about? I had to come to that point where I realized, and I believed in the resurrection. I believed in the virgin birth. And, you know, it came a point. It wasn't, it wasn't just an emotional moment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, that's what some people think. Well, unless it's emotional, unless you cry, unless all these feelings, and I, woo, you know, I get the Holy Ghost for songs. But it comes a point, faith is not an emotion. Hello? Faith is saying, you know what? I'm believing something I don't see. I'm trusting something that's going to bring me to what I've seen happen in other people. And God, you want to do something in me. And when you believe that, I believe that God can come and bring a change on the inside of you. Now, when I got saved, it was, I was all emotional, man. I cried. I was a wreck. You know, I was. But I have, I have friends, they never cried, they never did, they just trusted. They said, if he said it, and I see what the word of God says. I love, I don't know if you're ever familiar with a guy named Derek Prince. One of the, he graduated from Cambridge University, worked in World War II as a medic. And he became, he probably became one of the greatest charismatic leaders of our time. Just a smart dude. 
and he was, he was a skeptic. He was studying Cambridge, and what he was doing, he was reading the Bible, and he was reading the Bible. He was doing a course on kind of just like studying philosophies, world philosophy, and he was studying the Bible, and it, it started messing with him. How many of you know if you start reading the Bible, it kind of messes with you? Hello? It's like if you start crying out to Jesus, he may kind of mess around with you. See, there's no difference in this, this story than when you allow the Bible to speak to you. Remember, I said sometimes we go and we read the Bible, but many times the Bible ends up reading us. Derek Prince started reading the Bible, and what happens is God, he, he started, like, sensing things that he never saw in any other philosophy. And he started reading stuff. Then he began to understand the sacrifice from the Old Testament and it paralleled to what Jesus did in the New Testament. And he goes, if this is real, I'm going to ask God to make himself real. And he did that. And God made himself real. And it changed his life. And it wasn't because of emotions. It's because he began to see this. It's, it's by faith. Say it me. Say faith. It's faith. You know, as I've walked through some of these things these last almost two years now, Tracy and I, and it's not just me, it's my family. God's been doing a revolution inside of me. And faith is not, it's believing something you can't see and knowing that God can do anything. God can do anything. How many believe God can do anything? And listen, I don't believe that that God wants you to stay in the place where you're at if you're miserable. God doesn't want you to be, and let me just say this too, God didn't make you to be religious either. God wants you to be real. You see, when you go through hard things and hard times, sometimes it's hard to tell people, I'm really facing something difficult. It's really hard. My kids are wrecking with me, man. I mean, I'm just praying for this, and I'm believing God for that. But I don't think we need to walk around with the mully grubs either. Amen? Let me just go on reading. Are you with me? Verse 13. And he gave them permission in camp coming out. The unclean spirits entered to the swine or the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned into the sea. And see, right here, you know why the demons went into the pigs? Because they will live in unclean areas of our lives. Let me just say, I just look at it like this. I look at the pigs like this. It's like unclean areas in our lives. You know, a pig was an unclean animal. Jewish people didn't eat pigs. Hello. How many of you know as Cajuns, we love to eat pig? I mean, there ain't a thing left on a pig when we get through. We'll eat the hoof. Come on. We fight over the curly tail. Come on. We'll eat the ears. Come on, we eat the stomach. Come on. We make, come, come, come on. We put it up in boudin. People, I remember some, we had some people come and visit us one time. They, well, I want some of that bodine y'all got. <laughs> bodine. Oh, boudin. Okay. I mean, we, I mean, we eat the skin. <laughs> Cracklings. And, I mean, let me tell you something. I, I've been hunting, and I'm coming back through. You know that little gas station in Roanoke on 90? Man, shy. Forget the best stop. I'm tell, I'm just, I don't know who owns it, but they got a Holy Ghost touch on pig skin. I mean, you go in there, and you just go, mm-mm. You don't speak in tongues, you will. But it just goes on, verse 4. And the herd ran away and reported, uh, and the herdsmen ran away and reported in this city out in the country. And the people came to see what, what had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed in his right mind, the very man who had the legion. And they became frightened. One version said they were scared. You see... 
I believe this. What the enemy wants to do is torment people. How many of you ever been so mad at something that you keep doing that you've, you argue with yourself? How many of you talk about? I have a friend that was struggling with smoking cigarettes. And I remember he'd, he'd get that cigarette and go, and he'd cuss, all right? I'm not going to say what he said. And he wanted to serve God with all of his heart. And he was like, well, we need to work on that too. Anyway. And I remember he'd go, I'm sick of these things. I'm just sick that it just controls me and I don't want to do it. And then I remember he'd go, or some people that have anger, an anger issue. Come on. And, and it's like, have you ever busted your thumb or something and you fuss at your, come on. Sometimes, come on, can I just be real with you? Sometimes we've allowed things, we've opened the door for the enemy to come to torment us. Sometimes, how many of you ever done something just compulsive? Come on. How many of you women have prayed that God would deliver you from chocolate? That ain't happening until you get to heaven, all right? That's a deep generational devil, I promise you. You ever just do something because it just becomes compulsive? Why do I? You know, why am I doing this? Let me give you an example. Why do guys look at pornography? Because it's a compulsion because you've opened the door. And when you open the door, can I tell you what happens? You let a flood in. Well, the Bible says if you allow God to come, you know what he'll, he'll do? He'll allow a flood to come in. I know that some women live in oppression because they want their relationship with their husband or things. They have a vision or a picture of what they want for the future and it just doesn't happen like they want it to happen. And it's like, and they become complainers and complain and complain. And it's like it becomes a compulsion. They just complain all the time. And the Bible even says that. It's better not to live with a wife. It's better to live on the corner of a roof than with a compulsive, complaining, nagging wife. And I loved saying that. Hallelujah. Amen. And all the men said, preach some more, Pastor Bubba. Bring it on. Okay, I'll bring it on. Here we go. Tormented. Compulsive. Sometimes when you're tormented and you're compulsive, the third thing is you don't see a way out. And see, that's when you know the difference between God and the enemy. Let me tell you what sin will do. Sin will push you. You got to do it. Come on. It speaks to you. Come on, come on, come on. You do it all. And after a while, it doesn't have to speak to you. You just do it. You know what I'm talking about? Well, the Holy Spirit, you know what the Holy Spirit will do? He just draws you. Come on. Come on. Come on. This, come on. Don't, don't do that. Come on. The enemy, come on. You've done it before. Do it again. Come on. That felt good. Come on. It was good. See, I believe this. In Mark, you see the guy sitting down. Let me just say, here's the life of faith. Here's, here, here's how you... I have to understand what faith really is. You do the simple thing, God will do the complicated thing. You do, you do the small thing, and God will do the great thing. You do, listen, look at me. You do the thing that is possible, and God will do the thing that's impossible. The Bible says that he was, he was sitting down in his right mind. In other words, guess what was happening? He was not being tormented anymore listen to me how many of you glad that people next to you wore clothes this morning right mind clothed okay right mind what does that mean god begins to teach you how to think right thoughts 
And see, that's what discipleship is. When you follow the Lord, that's me. You begin to say, I want to be a committed disciple, a follower, a disciplined learner of Jesus. And I want, I want things to be added to me. And it's not just me reading my Bible by myself. It's not just me praying. But it's allowing me to allow other people to come around my life and help me to provoke me to grow. Am I in the right place? Come on. Anybody want to grow in here? <laughs> And I want to grow. And so, you know, I want to be in my right mind. I don't want any stinking thinking. I want right thinking. You know, when my wife doesn't know what to do and she blows up and she comes, maybe it's because I need to take charge of my family and be the leader and not be the one that is always being controlling. And if I wasn't controlling, she might not nag. I hope the light goes off. And see, what God wants to do, he wants you and I to be in our right mind. And he wants us to be clothed. Clothed means this. Listen to me. Not just being, you don't have to be compulsive anymore. It's cute when little children run around naked. I'm in the house, you know, you pop them with the towel. Go get them clothes on. Go get your underoos. But it's another thing. Listen, I've been in Central America one time where they literally had a lady that walked around the whole city naked. I didn't want to meet her. (laughs) Hey, let's get a picture of Pastor Bubba with naked woman. (laughs) That ain't going to my wife. (laughs) I've been in places where people had a reputation. Come on. Quote, and can I tell you something? Some of you had a reputation. But you know what God did? You met God just like naked boy. He put you in your right mind. He clothed you. Come on. I mean, you know, it's like God takes, see, the difference is before I knew Jesus, I was wearing grave clothes. My destiny was eternity without him. And see, how many of you know love truth? Come on. I remember I used to hang around with this guy and he used to preach. And, he, and this is how he'd say it. He'd preach these kind of things. And it was just, it was true sometimes, but it didn't really affect people. Come on. You know what I'm saying? It just made him mad. He'd, he'd say stuff like, I can't even say it. I don't want to make someone mad. But it was just mean, vicious stuff. It was truth with no grace. So guess what? If you just have truth, 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 truth all the time, guess what you become? You become legalistic. You know, there's some churches that you got to wear a certain hymn line. And guys have to have their, you know, all that stuff. And you've heard me say it. And, they, and some women can't wear makeup. I think it's a sin for some not to wear makeup. But, and I think that some guys need a little beard to grow, you know, kind of hide what enhance your looks. Huh? Yeah, somebody got some freedom. But he was sitting down. Not tormented, not compulsive. In his right mind to see a way out. So you walk in the light. See, I've learned this. When I learn to walk in the light, God teaches me to how to live right. Just teaches me how to live right righteousness right it's right thinking how many of you want to have right thinking how, let, let's just how many of you want to have right thinking about your husband women men how many of you want to have right thinking about your wife come on i'm helping you i want you to have a good date it's about those things you see let me just wrap it up and those who had, had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine or the pigs, they began to, to plead or entreat him to depart from the region. So the people were like, they were like, man, get out of here, Jesus. And he was getting into the boat, and the man who had been demon-possessed was entreating him that he might accompany him. And, he, and Jesus did not let him, did, Jesus didn't let him go with him. But he said to him, go home. Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim 
in the ten cities what great things or Demopolis Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Let me, let me just say this. He asked Jesus to leave, but I believe this. And remember the guy, demon, naked boy asked him, the guy that had the pigs. Jesus, can I go with you? And I believe this, real Christianity always starts at home. Ouch. You know, we're not called to be defense attorneys. We're not called to be prosecuting attorneys. We're not called to be judges. We're not called to be juries. We're called to be witnesses. Amen? What is a witness? Somebody has seen something, something happened, and, and they can tell about it. And, and the cool thing is Christianity that costs nothing means nothing. I know that my grandmother was able to lead my, lead my grandfather to the Lord eventually just by how she lived her life at home. I mean, the only time I ever heard my grandfather talk about Jesus when you left his back door open and the air conditioning was getting out and he'd go, Jesus Christ, someone closed the door. Or if I was trying to get ice cream in his refrigerator, I mean, he would literally, good God Almighty. That's how I only knew about my grandpa talking about Jesus or God. If you left his freezer open because you were trying to get his ice cream. Or... You left the back door open. But you know, my grandmother, she was, she was something. God delivered her from depression. God delivered her from alcohol. I remember when my, my grandmother used to smoke, but I remember when she met Jesus, it all stopped. It was like a revolution took place. I remember one time, his fridger, her freezer was going out. And she had hurt, literally, she was, and, and my grandpa was griping because he had to buy a new freezer. And I remember one day, she went to go open it, and everything was thawing out. And she looked at her freezer, and she looked at that, and she says, in Jesus' name, stop this. And I want you to start working again. And she kicked it. And I say, in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, that refrigerator and freezer that was dying, when she kicked it, the motor, and it ran for three more years. Freak my grandpa out. And then I got saved. And remember, I got caught with drugs two weeks before I was graduating. No one could go to my graduation to see me because I wasn't graduating with the class at Our Lady of Fatima. And that, that would hurt my family. That hurt. You imagine all the invitations have gone out. Come and celebrate. Ain't nothing to celebrate. But he saw a radical change take place in my life. And when I got saved and I, started, I went to Bible school and I was working at the 700 Club doing phone counseling. And that's when Ben Kinslow and Pat Robinson was on it. And, and I was sitting in the, you know, when it was like those telethon, telethons, you know what I mean? And you'd wait there and people would call. And you'd have calls from all over and you'd pray for them. And I remember my grandpa started watching the 700 Club just to watch me answer the phone. No, I'm serious. What day are you going to be on? Wednesday. I'm, I'm doing phone counseling. Oh, you gonna, I'm going to be in on all that. So they're watching. And because of that, my grandmother, my life, and other people's lives that he saw, he ended up giving his life to the Lord. Let me just finish this, and I'm going to be done. I promise. Turn with me to... Mark chapter 6, verse 53 and 56. It says, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gezerit. It's the same place in the shore. And they, they had come out to the boat. Immediately, the people recognized him, Jesus. And ran about the whole country and began caring about, all, caring about um, their pallets, those who were sick to the place they heard he was. And I love this last verse. And wherever he entered, whenever he entered the villages or the, the cities in the countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and treating him that he might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were being cured. Can I tell you something? You know where these villages were? This was the region called Demopolis. 
where the boy that begged Jesus to go on the boat with him, he said, no, go back home. Just go show people what I've done. You don't have to say anything. Your life. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine? I, I can imagine if you were strolling through the tombs one day with your babies to go visit your papa's grave, and all of a sudden someone would go, ah, and it was a naked boy. Your babies would go, ah, you know. But all of a sudden, here's that same mama strolling, and all of a sudden she sees, hey, Luis, isn't that, isn't that naked boy? But he's clothed. He's not cutting himself. He's in his right mind. My God, something happened. What happened to you? Hey, are you the guy that used to be naked boy? That's me. How you like my jacket? Yes. You imagine his card? Farmly naked boy. <laughs> Can I say something to you? Look at me. I'm going to let you go. You and I have lived many times in the life of being tormented, being compulsive, not seeing a way out. It's taking off those things that bind us or yoke us down or weigh us down and giving them to God. And, you know, I, I believe that you've got to take off those things to break them off. You know, the first John says, if anyone claims I know God but doesn't obey his commands, listen, that person is a liar, not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely how, show how completely they love him. That is how we know that we're living in him. See, I've learned this. I can I can mark my Bible up. It can be all messed up, being held by duct tape. And this is my new Bible, much prettier. But can I tell you something? After serving God since 1980, May of 1980, I don't know how many years that is anymore because I always say it, I always add years, so I'm not even going to act, act like I do that. But can I tell you something? However much you love God's word is really a reflection of how much you love him. And you know, Sometimes I miss this Bible because, I mean, you can't see it, but like I have pages where I can't even read what I, the writing in my Bible because I have so many notes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just, and so like when I get my new Bible, I have no notes. So I feel naked. And I go, huh? And it's almost like saying, God, Speak something fresh to me. You know, this week, it's kind of like it's hunting season. So, you know, for me, if y'all know me, I love that part of the season. And something I do, I don't golf. I don't do all those girly man things. I like to draw blood and catch things. You know what I'm saying? And I was sitting there. Just watching the geese, you know, looking at their patterns and thinking, Saturday, you mine. And I'm watching it. And then, you know, I started thinking about what God's done in my life and the things that I've walked through these last few years. And I started thinking, God, God, thank you. Thank you for another day that I get to see these things. And what I've really been praying, you know, for myself, God, just make me what you want me to be. My prayer for you is that you would allow God to clothe you with his grace. Come on, anybody here? He would, you, would, you would allow him to clothe you with his grace. You would allow him to touch your mind, 
Because as I'm sitting there watching that, this girl that I know, that Tracy and I know, that we discipled this couple in, in, uh, in Lafayette. They go to Crossroads, and there are elders there. And she just found out that she had, she had ovarian cancer. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, I'm calling. Tracy and I, Tracy's been communicating to her, and I thought, I'm calling her. I just felt like I'm supposed to call him. And I'm talking to my friend Spanky, that's his nickname. And I'm saying, how you doing? He said, man, Bob, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. Carrie's doing great. But I start praying for him. And I get on the phone with her. Can I tell you something? She had the mind of Jesus. She said, I'm writing a journal. I'm believing God. I'm trusting this. I'm going. I mean, she goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it the, the Perret, whatever is it, the Miles Perret Center. I'm writing a book of my journey, and I'm going to leave it there so people can find hope when they're in despair, when they're in torment, whatever they're going through. And listen, I don't pray that God would allow you to go through anything physical, but I pray, this is my prayer for you. God, give me the right mind that I need to have. Clothe me with your love and your grace. And help me sit down at your feet to hear you speak to me, to hear you share with me. When's the last time that you just stopped? How many of you know we all busy? You know, when I get busy, you know, I know when I'm getting, I don't even look at the stars at night. I don't even recognize the clouds. Sometimes I get so busy in life. I stop, I stop just stopping and taking a break and saying, God, what do you want? What are you trying to say to me? What do you want to do in me? but did do something through me as well. What do you want to do? And see, this morning, let me just say this. For you that might not know the Lord, let me just give you hope. Today, you can meet Him. It's just trusting Him that He came. He said, He said, He, he said, He simply said, Come to me, all that you are heavy laden and burdened. And I'll give you, and this is what He says, and, and if you do that, I'll give you rest. Salvation is a picture of this. It's not what I do. It's what I trust. And guess what we're always trying? We're always trying to do stuff to prove. How many are you talking about? And sometimes I try to prove my love over and over to my wife. That's not what she wants. She wants, my, she wants time with me. gone too long it's okay you're getting out same time usually I could go on but I'm not but this is what I want you to understand pastor but what did this whole thing mean you know what unless you expose areas in your life you're going to keep living with the pigs just the stuff and pigs oink and they bother you and they stink I pray you never have to go to a pig farm. These are gross. Okay? You can smell them before you get there. It's just like people, before you help them, you can smell them. How many of you have had people come visit your house and their smell stayed there longer than you wanted it to? Okay, I'm going in a whole different direction. I told you I was going to the uttermost parts, Miss Joyce. But anyway, I just want to say this. Today, like Pastor Zach said, if I could just start over, what would I do? Look at me. You know, if I could start over, you know what I'd do? I'd give you more opportunities to meet Jesus. I'd give you more opportunities to experience his grace, his power, his healing virtues. And so guess what? That's what we're going to do this next coming year. And so I come into this thinking, you know, God, I really want you 
I don't want to be in control. Because say something, I can plan all my things. And I, I better plan, all right? How I many you know if you don't make a plan, you plan to fail? But I also want to give God the opportunity to say, Bubba, that's not what I want to say. This is what I want to do. And that's what I want to do. But I don't want to be weird. How I many you know what I'm talking about? I don't want to embarrass God. I just want him to have his way. I want people this year in our region, in our area, to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's where you're at today and you go, you know, Pastor Bob, I really need a fresh touch. I need some freedom on my life. If that's you, I just want God to touch you. And if you, as, as I pray, and if you just need God to come and touch you or you need to trust him and live for him, or if you're carrying things that have tormented you or you're living in compulsion or you see no way out of your circumstances, I'd love to pray with you this morning. So as I pray this last prayer, and if you just need someone, and I, I want people that, are, that, that would believe God that they could touch someone in prayer, through prayer, if that's you, I want you to feel like you can come to the, to the front. And it, being in the front means nothing special other than I just come and I want to meet Jesus. And I need someone to, I'd like someone to pray with me. Because there's some things I, want, I need God to do in my life. And that's all it is. Amen? So as I pray, and if you feel that, I'm not going to beg you. But let the Spirit of God draw you. Don't walk out of here this week feeling a push to do something you know you shouldn't. My prayer is that you'd feel the drawing power of the love of Jesus. Father, this morning, that you just come and pray with you. Father, this morning, I just pray that you would just come this morning. I pray that you would just minister to every person that's here. I pray that you would bring salvation to those that need salvation. I pray for those that need to be rescued out of their circumstances. God, as they call out to you, just like that woman with the issue, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be made whole. But Lord, I know that there are some that are walking through circumstances like that woman at the well. And you told her that you were the living water. Lord, there are people here this morning that you're calling out. You're calling out for them to have life, to have the living water, to have peace, to have joy once again restored into their hearts and their lives. Lord, there are those that need spiritual foundation in their life. There are those that need that fresh encounter with you. They encounter you in such a way that they're never the same. It's not about religion. It's not rules and regulation. It's knowing you and us just becoming a witness. And I pray for those that struggle at home to be that witness. I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would empower them. You would encourage them in everything that they need. Just pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.